Good morning. Good morning. My name is Jennifer Tom. And I'm Darlene Rempel. And it's Wednesday and we've got our coffee. And I'm so excited. Please invite a friend, invite your community to come have coffee with us because today is a very, very special day. As you know, the whole month and the, our whole theme has been sharing stories that heal. Mm -hmm. And we had an amazing guest. I hope you've checked it out on podcast. And today we have another amazing guest. And we feel so blessed mm -hmm. to really have um, our friends, our community share their stories. Because uh, as we were saying last week, the importance of sharing stories. And I will just recap. Uh, Darlene, you shared, I shared the first one was we honor the deceased. Mm -hmm. Like me sharing my story about my dad. I feel like I feel I'm honoring my dad. So mm -hmm. honoring the deceased. And number two was validation and connection. So it was acknowledging and validating um, our losses and also that connection we have with people when we share our stories. I love that, the connection. And the, and then we also talked about emotional release. Mm -hmm. Every time we share a story, we share, that's why we call them stories that heal. And it's so amazing. And today we're just going to go add one more, uh, the advantage of sharing stories is learning and growth learning and growing mm -hmm. i find personally every time i hear someone's story i learn something and i grow and the key is as people share their stories is to listen with a heart with ears mm -hmm. mostly if we listen with our intellect or our head we call it we actually don't hear and we miss out on the learning and growing like uh, our previous story just hearing how she dealt with the losses i'm like you know, I could have used that or you just think, oh, my goodness, you know, if you meet someone else who's going or dealing with their loss, you can share something that you've learned. So this is a learning place. So I will not talk anymore because, you know, I love talking. I love telling stories, but I won't because I want Dalin to introduce our guest. And uh, I just want to say we are so blessed and thankful, thankful to um, people were telling, sharing their stories, mm -hmm. stories that heal. There you go, Darlene. Awesome. <clears throat> so we want to introduce, yeah. hi, Clay. Hi, Clay. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Clay. So good to have you here. Okay, I'll be quiet. Uh, so I'm going to introduce Clay. He's been an amazing um person that that I met and he's been helping me with um, equine assisted learning and we've just really connected. Um, Clay grew up in Saskatchewan in a farming ranching community. Um, he spent most of his career in the medical field. He started school in Saskatchewan post-secondary. He's also worked on a ranch um, in foremost and he has worked in the medical field as a certified nursing assistant LPN EMT, he's accredited firefighter, and much more. Um, and in his spare time, when he's not doing those things, he likes working with heavy equipment. So uh, he's a man of many talents, <laughs> and we really appreciate him. Clay has three daughters who live in Alberta and four grandkids. 
Clay met his wife, Sue, who was a registered nurse in 2003 at the Brooks Hospital. They were married for 19 years. Clay spends his retirement helping others and taking care of his cats. Oh. <laughs> Full-time so, job. <laughs> uh, we love Clay and his sense of humor, so we'll, we're excited to have you on our on Creep Talk and to share just a little bit about more about your life, your stories. Well, um, I'm not sure how you wanted me to lead it into this or. <laughs> um, we were going to just, we had, we had a few questions for you. So just about describe your life before your loss. Tell us a little bit about some of the losses in your life and just what it was like before. Okay. Um, yeah, Sue and I had, had met each other. Uh, while working at the Brooks Health Center. You know, as was mentioned, she's an RN and I was worked on the ambulance service. And as we both, uh, the ambulance service worked out of the hospital, then we got, we interacted with nursing staff, with patient care. They helped us, we helped them. And uh, so we, we just started to, uh, to relate more and more and realize that we had a very, a very similar outlook on different aspects. Both of us had a certain type of personality, kind of a nurturing, caring uh, a personality, and we're relatively easygoing, you know, to to a point, I guess, without <laughs> without without getting defeated, you know, kind of thing. But uh, so we, yeah, we we just hit it off, and uh, then. Uh, let's see. Yeah, our mutual interests outside the the health field also helped us along. In that Sue liked her crafts. She liked uh, photography. She liked drawing. She liked making wire wrap jewelry, uh, stamping up, doing cards for individuals. That uh, just she just because she wanted to give somebody something to cheer up their day to brighten up if they, if they felt that they're being forgotten about or neglected or even so would just hear that they were hearing troubles and they would usually get a little nice little stampin up card with a nice little message of hope and you know just all the just all the good things that you know that come from the heart and so she uh she pretty much worked as a as an RN for all her career. She joined she had uh, trained at the Foothills School of Nursing and worked there until she had a back injury. And then after that uh, she kind of scaled it down and worked at home care in uh, in at the Brooks Health Center as well after she left Calgary. But uh, but gradually her her back and her illnesses kind of caught up with her. So she uh, scaled it down and spent most of her time doing crafts to the point of it was, it would be, I would see her for about maybe 20 minutes. <laughs> what are you watching on TV? I'd tell her what's on TV and then she'd say, I'll be right back up. And I'd know, I'd look at my watch and I'd think, okay, that'll be six hours. <laughs> if, you, if, if she would say, I'll be a little longer, then I know it's eight hours. <laughs> down the stairs doing projects and getting supplies and 
just all the just all the wonderful things that that she loved doing. She loved pretty things. She loved helping people, and most of all, she loved giving mm -hmm. to others. And her joy was was watching somebody else's face light up at from getting a card or getting good news and that in that she always stayed on the periphery and with her having had somewhat of a difficult uh, background but with her with her family life and such then uh, she never quite did fit in mm -hmm. to what she would have liked to as far as a, a normal family because mm -hmm. it was not that was not in her background. She didn't have that as a repertoire to to fall back on and say, "Well, this is you know, this is a good life," or "This is you know this is whatever." You know, she just didn't have a yardstick to to measure these things against, other than her own private world, which was was uh, which was not which was not very nice. But um, so we. Let's see. Yeah, we, we we began dating, and this would be probably about four or five, about six months after we had met each other, and then we started to realize we're getting kind of serious. <laughs> but we were both kind of kind of smitten, kind of smitten, and we cautiously and vaguely made references to. <laughs> The M word, the marriage word, <laughs> and so and so we felt we were receiving favorable responses from from the from the other one, and but still we hadn't made any commitment, any any commitment other than hey, this is neat. Now what do you do? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> And as yeah. guys, you kind of, what happened? Not just what is happening, what happened? <laughs> guys are always a little slower. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, we had, uh, then one evening in in January, uh, January 4th, I believe it was 2004, we'd gone to Calgary and had supper at the... Uh, the Olive Garden uh, restaurant, and you know, it was a, it was a salad. It was fresh, <laughs> which was which was cheap, and nice warm rolls, fresh from the oven. All these things, and uh, so we had. I think I had uh, uh, prime rib for myself. I always had something with with beef in it, just just to be a patriot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sue had veal parmesan, and so that was, you know, that was, you know, that was our our the start of the evening. Then, uh, <laughs> it kind of cautiously produced a little blue jewelry box, <laughs> and, <laughs> and said, "Will you marry me?" And she kind of looked at me, and I thought, "Oh." I've made her feel uncomfortable and she doesn't say how to say no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was prepared for the letdown and I was trying to, going to try to be a nonchalant about it kind of thing. And even though the tears were, 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 were almost there, but big boys don't cry apparently. <laughs> 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 and so she had 
<laughs> she looked at me and she paused for a moment. And, and I thought, this is a, a long moment. <laughs> and uh, she, she looked like she was holding back tears. And I thought, oh, this is going to be worse than I thought. This is, this is not going to be pretty. <laughs> so, and then she said, yes, I will. <laughs> I will marry you. But I was afraid you would never ask. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> it's the guy thing again. Great moment. Well, <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome! That's a great memory, Clay. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. So then, then about well, about five months later, uh, on May fourteenth, yeah. Then uh, we were married at Sue's brother and. Uh, br brother and sister-in-law at their their home in Calgary, and there's a, a justice of the peace in a small group consisting mostly of, of family members and and close friends, so it was it was very informal, and when Sue was was kind of coming down the aisle, and she looked like she was going to tear up, and she looked at me and and I gave her a big wink. And she started laughing. <laughs> so then she said, I can do it. <laughs> so, and then it just, then it just, just you know, followed through. And uh, so it was, it was the beginning of a, a close and, and loving relationship. It was a marriage between your know, two best friends. You couldn't ask for a better start year two. Mm -hmm. And, um, we we shared our hopes, our dreams, our fears, and we we're always looking forward to the next morning, and just the anticipation of what that morning would bring, and or what's even what surprises the next day would bring. We're wow. always being being optimistic about what it's going to be, what kind of joys is it going to have, what kind of just wonderful things are going to come our way. So, so we. You know, the you know that was what our our biggest thing was the joys in life, and then every night we we would give each other uh, a genuine hug, followed by a kiss, and I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> and uh, I love you. Have a good sleep. And uh, Sue always had her. She had her crafts, her quilting, her making jewelry, artwork, um, photography, but her passion was making these Stampin' Up! cards. And all these cards took numerous hours to complete. They're so detailed and so meticulously executed. And usually the only time I would see Sue was when she'd come upstairs and say, have I got the lighting right in this? Have I got the shading right on this? And then she'd go back downstairs and do a little more. And then she'd come up and say, how do I make the eyes appear warm? Or got to put a little dot of light in, in each one, just a tiny one, not so obliterates the eye, but just so the, the, the person that's watching it can spot it in there. And it just builds a little bit of a rapport with what with whatever your subject is. So she would come up with all these different ideas and different crafts. And I kind of learned a lot of terminology about, <laughs> <laughs> about quilting and fat quarters and pink <laughs> and what flannels are the best for receiving. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so they're always <laughs> it was an education, and just because I, I like learning things, up in a lot of these things, so I can at least appear to know what I was talking <laughs> talking about. That's if if her friends are around, and I don't know whether they were suitably impressed or whether they were kind of. <laughs> 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 but I'd like to think it was, that they were suitably impressed and I'm stick with, 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 with that thought. And, uh, but her cards were always, always contained messages of hope, friendship, loving, caring, just all the wonderful things that, that she wished on anybody and everybody. No matter how, whether they were a long lost friend or somebody, she would just, she had just met, they were all her friend and I think she regarded people as um, strangers as being friends that she hadn't met yet and mm -hmm. that was her, her kind of view on people and it was always an automatic smile when she was meeting someone for the first time or whatever or thinking about something and, and it always caused other people to smile right back and it broke the ice and started the, the the formation of a, of a bond of a relationship bond where mm. where there's a feeling that uh, there's a friendship in the making there's a friendship that was was there and didn't have to be worked at that that you were just accepted for for whatever you whatever you were mm -hmm. so, and then uh, uh, yes she loved her her craft that. That was her go-to thing, and if she had problems, she never would would say that much about the problems. She kept a lot of these things to herself, and just kind of dealt with it. Even even hurts from other individuals, she would never chastise them, or going into arguments with other people. She always thought that being loving and warm would dispel any any negative feelings or anything that you know could be considered as criticism or whatever and that way there's there's no resentments if they weren't formed in the first place <laughs> and they didn't have a, have a chance to but and uh, then uh, the and for myself i usually spent a lot of time reading uh, writing short stories, woodworking, cabinet making, uh, being with nature, being with my daughters whenever possible, just uh, just a homebody type thing, just a hum, you know, nice comfortable. <laughs> and uh, then for the the two children that Sue and I had, well, we call them children, but uh, they're two calico cats, and they. Have, <laughs> <laughs> they have wild personalities. They don't really fit in the category of felines, I don't believe, but but they told us they were, so we got their word for it. <laughs> and, and, but uh, uh, Sue often described them as spawns of Satan. She loved cats, but these ones were just, they're just a. Uh, they were on a different level. <laughs> but, uh, and then for, then uh, just before uh, Christmas, uh, I had woken and I'd gotten up to feed the cats as was 
part of my usual routine and uh, just went out to the, to the front room and Sue had gone into gone to sleep in the, in the recliner while she was watching TV. And so I, I had looked at her and I thought maybe I should just let her sleep because just that she never usually sleeps in the morning or sleeps in and uh, she's always up looking after the cats or trying to convince herself that she's not really annoyed that much with the cats, but that never really quite worked as, as, as well as, as she wanted to. But, um, but I had, I had looked at her and, and she was so, so peacefully sleeping and I thought I'd let her sleep a little longer. So, but as I drew near to her, then I realized that she wasn't sleeping. And, uh, and that she was not going to work, that she was not going to, to wake up. I had assessed her as I did with, with many patients over the years that, that had been in similar circumstances. And she was pulseless. She wasn't breathing. Um, her pupils were fixed and dilated. Her skin was dry and cool. And uh, so I, I called the ambulance and I began providing ventilations with, with Sue and doing compressions on her. And she was still in a recliner chair. And uh, I was unable to get her out of, out of the chair to do, uh, to do these things on her properly. So I did the best that I could uh, while she was in the chair. And I had broken the arm off the or the, uh, the activating arm off the recliner by trying to pull it to me allow the, the recliner to go forward and to move her out but um, and so then with I continued this for about it seemed like about 10 or 12 minutes doing mouth to mouth to provide ventilations doing uh, chest compressions just doing all those things and it was all things that I had been uh, been taught as a professional and had exercised them hundreds to thousands of times um, over the years with with different patients. And uh, so then two paramedics had, had arrived and I continued doing uh, chest compressions and one of the other paramedics did ventilations and uh, then set up the cardiac monitor and uh, IVs. And then between the three of us, we managed to get her uh, out of the chair and lay her down. She was still non-responsive and nothing was working. And uh, so they had, they, had they had set up the defibrillator and they attached the cardiac monitor leads and the defibrillation uh, paddles were ready. Uh, uh, the, as in an RCMP officer arrived, I knew him. Uh, two firemen arrived and I knew, excuse me, I knew them as well, I'd worked with them. Then a neighbor who was a fireman also arrived, who I obviously knew as well. Then a lady from the victim's assistant Victim's assistance arrived, and I had known her as as well. 
And uh, I had worked with these people under similar circumstances uh, many times in very similar circumstances. And that was the morning of December 10th, uh, 10,022. So sometime between when we had said our good nights at about 10 o'clock in the evening and eight o'clock the following morning, she had passed away in her sleep. She had no distress, no evidence of any distress of anything. She had just gone to sleep peacefully and and passed away. So that was that was two weeks before Christmas. So it, so it was two weeks before Christmas that she passed away, and it was two months after she had just had um, her sixtieth birthday, with her biggest worry about how things were going to change for the for the for the for the. Uh, for the new year following her birthday. And I realized that I had functioned in my professional mode as I had done um, so many times before, hundreds to thousands of times, in nearly identical circumstances and situations as I had been trained, as I had been trained um, as a professional. But there was feeling of, of detachment on my heart on my part, and I still, I, did, I was still di distancing myself and regarding, you know, Sue as a, as a patient and a patient who had been, who had not been successfully resuscitated. And that was still my mindset with her was, was that that was the situation that kept me from the reality of, you know, facing you know, facing what was was going on and the enormity of that of that event, that you know that thing. Um, yeah, I was I would, different times when I would look at her when we were doing doing our procedures and uh, different things to her, and I try to convince myself that that's Sue. But every time I would look away, no, it's just a patient. And so that that continued on for, you know, where I just, where I would think, oh, that it was that she was along the lines of, oh, she's just another patient. I really didn't want reality to set in. I was incapable of coping with it or or even understanding it at that patient or at that point. But um, so we then after after all this and the uns unsuccessful resuscitation attempts, um, then a, a a funeral was held uh, at our church. It was a very nice service conducted by a justice of the peace and was mostly co-worker, mostly co-workers and some of our relatives that were that were present. There was actually quite a few people there and that she had made an awful lot of friends over the years and people that she related with. And even though she didn't know them that well, she had already made a bond with them in, in a short time that she had she had been, been there. But uh, then following that, there are many people 
through cards, personal condolences and phone calls, uh, they expressed their sympathy. And I didn't feel alone because there was humanity around. There were so many, so many people around that kind of acted as a buffer to the the scenario that was that was unfolding. And but then after after the people left, her, her friends, uh, her family, some of my friends, my family, um, then the quietness settles in. And the I had began to convince myself that it was not there wasn't a bad dream that I that I would wake up from that everything would be the same as it was the day before the day before we had been in Medicine Hat and gone shopping and it was a it was a wonderful loving day nothing unusual nothing that. That, that portended anything negative was about to unfold or anything. So, but um, um, it, I, I think I regarded it more as it was surreal. It was as if you were in a cloud and the cloud was around you and encompassing you and you couldn't really see what the reality was there was just a nice soft cloud that was mm -hmm. it seemed it was just buffering you and it I remember thinking that you know the this this mist or this cloud it's going to dissipate in the morning it's going to be gone and everything is going to be everything is going to be normal mm -hmm. and uh, I think I, I grieved more. I began to grieve more and more outwardly, outwardly with, you know, with with many many tears, and I think I grieved and I cried until there were more. I felt there were no more tears left to cry, and I thought I think my feelings were that I was trying to convince myself that with fewer tears remaining, there was less grief remaining. And that the pain, the hurt, and the loneliness was finally departing from me. And uh, often I'd ask myself, you know, if this feeling of loss and grief would ever end, and would life ever be, you know, quote unquote, normal again? And uh, this was a it was a crushing event. It was a totally crushing event. And then, I guess you could term it as a, in my world, there was a, an earth-shattering event, a world-shattering event, only it was my world mm. that, uh, that was, was being shattered. And I still, I still remain in, in, my, in the house, you know, like in, in my home kind of thing. And, but there, there remains a quietness and a stillness, a lack of, of spontaneity, a spontaneity, and the, uh, a loss of humanity that just is not is not existent, and it's a, it's it's a feeling of the joy has been removed. As if somebody has taken a spoon and just removed it and put it away somewhere, and then I thought, you know, can these things ever be replaced?
Can they be repaired? Can, can things be enjoyed again? And I also thought, would I dare want them to be? In that how I would how I would respond to them, how I would react to to circumstances, situations, to just various other things in life. And I think with Sue's passing or dying, and uh, then I'm just getting able to to accept these terms as they are in the finality of of this um, this situation that they portend. And the loss was that of a true friend, uh, a true love, and a true soulmate. Uh, someone who's irreplaceable with an inestimable um, intrinsic value, just an irreplaceable, uh, irreplaceable qualities. And I feel that I, I have lost a good part of myself when I lost her, because so many of our of things in our lives were intertwined and could no longer be shared. They could no longer be enjoyed without that feeling of sadness, of sorrow, of emptiness, of loneliness. All these things that had replaced the things that were, were joyful, were laughter, were, were just all the wonderful things in in the world and they no longer existed not in my world anyway and and you know, i feel that she made in good in good part mm -hmm. she made me what i have become and that i am so much the richer for that mm -hmm. but i also i also feel that the world is so much poorer without her and without the qualities that that she possessed and she exhibited and her love for everybody and so that was that was the biggest thing with one of the biggest things with her passing was the, the loss that i had suffered mm -hmm. and but what I had gained through different things she had taught me during our time together in, in our growth um, towards in our Christian walk. And she was a, a tutor, a tutor uh, for a lot of things. She could explain a lot of things with her, with her background. And you know, I, I just became more and more enamored of of you know of of her and her goodness the, and the Christianity aspect, just all the wonderful things that were there, just that made us made us complete. And I think we both had our, we both had our own dreams, but we dreamt them together. Mm -hmm. And like I dreamt of maybe an acreage with population life. <laughs> by cats, dogs, horses, maybe even a few goats. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. 
I don't know how many people would share my 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 values or my perspective of my my of my pets, but but the peace and serenity of a pastoral setting, just that whole that whole environment would be would just be one of those things that it'd be priceless, you know, in itself and. And just things like waking up to a beautiful sunrise and a magnificent sunset and just saying, wow, that is, that's beyond belief. Did you see that? Oh, wow. Yeah, just be awed, overawed with, with just the magnificence, magnificence of so many things. But, uh, and uh, her, her dreams were to have a bigger craft room. <laughs> She needed one because the three rooms that she had <laughs> weren't big enough, apparently. <laughs> and they kind of migrated into every room of the, you know, of the, of the house kind of thing. So I would usually just move her crafts to a different order. <laughs> and she would, I would leave, she would move them back. And yeah. I was <laughs> continuing with oh. <laughs> With whatever craft she was doing, either upstairs or downstairs, and yeah. uh, or quite often like two ships, you know, two ships that pass in the, you know, in in the night kind of thing, like kind of um, sometimes. How was your day? Oh, it was good. How was yours? Oh, it was good. I'll be out to talk later. Yeah. <laughs> So conversations were a little bit short, you know, but, uh, and it's not that they were negative or resentful or you know, things of that sort. It didn't appear to be that. Or that. Yeah, so, uh, and, uh, but uh, I guess with her, her hobbies, she just wanted to have all this extra space to be able to draw more, to do more artwork to do more stamping up. And their happiest times were when we made each other happy, when Sue would make other people happy or make myself happy, or when we made each other happy and completed each other. Our joy was in, uh, was in the giving and in the surprise and happiness of the receiving. I had anticipated that we would grow old <laughs> together with many more leisurely mornings, waking up in each other's arms and excitedly watching the soft little pink fluffy clouds nestled around a barely rising sun and just just rocking at it and be being awestruck with that and the grass still damp with dew and then the sun moving it off and just watching all the just all the wonderful things unfolding in nature that that unless we felt that unless you stopped to smell the roses you would never realize their their true value or their, their mm -hmm. because it's the little things that have been so much that uh, that accumulation of little thoughts little memories little pleasantries just all those things and, and uh I think uh, I would have. I would have liked to have helped Sue with some of her dreams. I would have liked to, would have, liked to have been able to take her 
uh, to Hawaii or to some of these places that that she had been before, but she would like to she would like to take me there. And mm -hmm. so we had talked about it. We'd made a few plans, and they just didn't work out for timing or finances or all these things. And and but we still had our we still shared those mm -hmm. dreams. And that those hopes or those expectations that one day, one day, <laughs> that mm -hmm. things, things will will align, mm -hmm. and, and that it will, you know, they will set up. Um, I know it would have made me so happy being able to surprise her with something like that, mm -hmm. and just, you know, to see her face uh, light up as it always did when. Mm -hmm new and exciting was being addressed or found or, or discovered or noticed or just all these things that <laughs> the kind of just the happiness i guess seeing the true happiness that you know that was that, that is it's one of those things you, you can't replace just seeing genuine happiness. and I find, I find that with as well as these things, um, my trust has has somewhat deteriorated, and that I'm I have been uh, like with the arrival of this well this catastrophic event, uh, it it sometimes is overshadowed with the feeling that there's more there's more devastating events mm -hmm. in the offing. And the the just behind every sunrise, mm -hmm. I'm afraid to enjoy happiness. And that is there a sorrow that comes along with it as it's companion, mm -hmm. and uh, it kind of puts a little bit of a damper on mm -hmm. the yeah, so Still working through that, trying to convince myself that. You know that that the comet that's going to hit Earth isn't going to be tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. seven hundred fifty million years from now. So I'm trying to be optimistic about you know mm -hmm. about, about that. And and, uh, and yeah. I, I wonder whether I can whether I can uh, whether I can replace replace that happiness or regain mm -hmm. that happiness. The love, the security—that's basically all been stealthily removed, you know, from mm -hmm. life. And with the resultant, there's a hesitation on my part uh, when making decisions, mm -hmm. having been evinced uncertainty. There's a feeling of uncertainty, and that with that. There's a certain feeling of vulnerability, mm. uneasiness of the imperma the impermanence of anything in my world. Yeah. That wow. can can change uh, on a dime. But what will <laughs> and um, will I have the fortitude to endure you know, the either further losses and concerns or worries or just and even if they're maybe not uh, realistic, mm -hmm. they do present themselves and they do sit on my shoulder. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I carry them 
you know, turning the body and trying to rationalize <laughs> things and tell myself, well, you're being silly. Don't think <laughs> that way. And then the little voice on the other side says, oh, but it could happen. <laughs> oh, what do you know? You know? <laughs> so I, yeah. this, well, little, this little devil's advocate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, Clay, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing with us. That is um, that is so amazing. Um, just as we're kind of uh, closing off a bit, what's one thing you would tell somebody or one thing how you could encourage somebody um, or maybe things that have encouraged you to, to continue moving forward? I, I think a good part has been a little bit of time has come through. And as time has gone by, I've been able to balance both sides of the equation and be more rational of it. And I have realized that there is, you know, the pot of gold is that is the sunshine that still does exist out there and that I have to look more for it. And it is there. It does exist. And to anybody that is in, in a grief or a loss situation, it may seem so totally dark, but it, it will lighten up. And with the grief and loss program that I had taken, followed by the, um, the horse connections and the equine assisted learning, then that helped me balance those feelings of love and companionship that, uh, that, that are out there. And the feeling that even with the with the horses, it's almost like having a, a service animal. <laughs> a very big service animal, but it's very <laughs> and they're exceptionally good at this. <laughs> you really should see see Clay. He has like three horses who all come around him and snuggle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was and it it has forced me to be more introspective to look into myself and say to myself well you look at yourself in the mirror you see that one person look at yourself inside your heart and you will find a different individual there that that if you allow it to come out and to you know to to exert itself its presence that you can find a happiness that is still dwelling in you and it, you can't be destroyed. It can be diminished for a while, but that's a temporary thing. It will, it will flower. It will blossom again, mm -hmm. and it's it's not the end of the the end of the road. And there are so many others out there that have that have that that uh, are in similar situations, and they suffer alone. Mm -hmm. And that there's a stigma attached. To having had a death in the family, people don't know how to relate with you. You don't know how to relate with them. You don't. They don't know whether they've they've crossed the line or mm -hmm. or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so, you you realize that there are a lot of fallacies in our beliefs about death and dying, and to just be able to have these dispelled, that stereotypically um, is is not the answer. Everybody lives mm -hmm. differently. And everybody has a has a different facade that they put on mm -hmm. to, to when they're and then a different one when they're when they're at home mm -hmm. they're by themselves and they're vulnerable yeah. and 
people want mm -hmm. to show that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you so much that for being that vulnerable and just sharing with us. We love hearing your stories, Clay. Yes, and you know, just listening to Clay, like all the memories, you know, even just sharing and acknowledging those memories that you had with your wife and the things and the olive garden and your dinner, right? Like all those things that just, we celebrate her life and we celebrate her being into this world. It was so well done. Like, thank you for sharing that. That just touched my heart and how you said, like her passion was helping others and by giving and making someone's day lighter, right? Make someone's day uh, brighter or <laughs> right and yeah so thank you and those are the memories that we carry on those are the stories we carry on right and then like i was i was just sharing with darlene those memories are the ones that make us even feel alive like those mm -hmm. special moments you had and right. while you're sharing your story that's how i felt like those were just big big things that happen in your life with your wife that you enjoyed and you know, they'll forever be there right mm -hmm. and i also loved how you said that we all grieve it's actually we all we are all unique mm -hmm. we're all unique we are all unique and grieve differently so i just want to say thank you clay thank you you Ooh. took us on a on a journey <laughs> that was a journey <laughs> and i want to say thank you Oh no! Thank you so much, and I find it's catharitic to to be able to. The more that I that I repeat it, the more it becomes part of a memory bank, and it turns into a pleasant memory bank mm -hmm. with, yes. the, with the sting being removed. Mm -hmm. And so it's all, wow. it's all it's all good. Thank you so yes. much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, thank you. Yes, I love it so mm. much. It's a memory bank. And every time we share, mm -hmm. it's I'm I'm not even gonna wreck that. That you're you're <laughs> so so good. Good. memory bank friend. We need to share more. We need to share more. Mm -hmm. And Clay, we just appreciate you yeah. so much. No, no, it was it is it was my pleasure being here. I was looking forward to, to coming out here and chatting with you folks. And yeah. And just awesome. just going through there, just sharing, and that uh, a loss for one person is a loss for all. And yeah, it's yeah. just that's just the way it is. We're we're all diminished a little bit, <laughs> right? Yeah. So we encourage if you're out there and you have a story to share with us, please connect with us. We love to hear yeah. the stories. Uh, we love that we can mm -hmm. connect and be vulnerable and. You never know, your story could help someone. Mm -hmm. Like just listening to Clay just helped me. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are a community where we can help each other. And until next Wednesday, keep sharing the stories that heal. Oh, I and, did. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, my next stories may be about horses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. We're looking forward to play. Okay. okay. Take care. Bye, Clay. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, I think we're off. Tom, Jennifer speaking. Very good. Hello. 
Yes. Hmm. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Hello, Linda. How is it going? Oh, Linda, yes. You have some questions for me? I've tried to call you earlier, Linda. No, it's not. Okay, okay. Uh, you should be off, but uh, you can yeah, shut the computer the down. Number. We're the house number. We should be well, I'll let you shut it down in case yeah. I do something. Oh, uh, you know what? Maybe we have to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Something's not working, but you can just shut the computer off. Well, it will not shut off. I hope it worked. getting on the on the site like on the facebook site mm -hmm. and i'm not sure why it wasn't working for me oh it doesn't it won't show up until my wednesday okay yeah that was probably a couple weeks ago that I oh really but and I you couldn't get in since to, to look at that is weird yeah that would probably would have been within a day or two laptops kind of thing yeah no we I think it's been going. <laughs> uh. 
I'm a little worried it's not ending properly. You've got a seasonal affect disorder left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got it 